morning, everyone. Welcome to July. <laughs> sure, that happened quick. Don't know about you, but that really, that really happened quickly. I hope you're excited for our discipleship conference coming up in three weeks' time. I hope you're excited for the discipleship conference coming up in three weeks' time. Family, I really want to encourage you. Moments like this is where we come together and have our heart ignited for the mission of God again. I remember when I was a student, um, beginning of the second semester, every year there was something called Tux Missions Week. And it was such a great place where our hearts, we, we came together on campus and there was worship and there was preaching the word and there was fellowship and there was just yet again a mission imparted into our hearts to reach our campus. And this is what this moment is, to ignite us and to be hungry for what God calls us to do. So I hope that you encourage you rather to sign up and not miss out. Um, and let's really trust God for a significant and a fruitful uh, second half of the year. I trust you've been enjoying our In Light Of sermon series as we're just journeying through the book of First Thessalonians. Um, it's, it's a really challenging book. It's a book that has a lot going on in it, but what I really love about it, that this is themed throughout the whole book, it says Jesus is coming back in light of his return, therefore you and I should live a certain way, therefore you and I should think a certain way. Now, yes, there are certain things and topics that the book addresses as well, but consistently throughout this letter, Paul is reminding this, this church um, that was planted in Thessalonica, Jesus is coming again. And in light of this, in light of this, live according to what I'm teaching you. Now, this isn't supposed to be a foreign concept for us because normally what happens in June or July or August is... Um, you start seeing these flyers that, are you beach body ready, right? <laughs> so in light of summer coming, in light of your ocean holiday, start doing something about it now. They say that a beach body is built in the winter. <laughs> Said no one ever, uh, but anyway. So it's not so foreign for us to live with, a con with context, something is coming, therefore I should live prepared. I don't know, each year gets earlier and earlier, September 25, you'll see shops are decorating for Christmas. In light of Christmas is coming, let's start decorating our stores. So we see this, um, even just in natural things that we do on a day-to-day -day basis. And this is exactly what this whole letter is trying to prepare us for, or point us for. He's coming again, he's returned, he's on the way. And therefore, I want to say that wherever you are right now, it's not the final chapter. Whatever you're facing, it's not final. Everyone say, it's not final. It's not final, for he is returning again. And let's pray. Lord, thank you that we can be here, and I pray, may your word do what it's set out to do um, since his existence, and that is to convict and just confront us with truth. I pray that it will pierce in between bone and marrow this morning, that we'll be in awe of how good you are and how purposeful you are with our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Any Survivor fans in the house? Survivor, yes, the, the greatest game ever played. All right, those of you who don't know what Survivor is, it's a bunch of people that get deserted somewhere and they have to survive. It's kind of in the name. All right, so growing up, um, growing up, we loved this story. Now, as three boys, um, Survivor was like the dream. Like, I, I want to play Survivor one day. And back in those days, it was SBC 3, so which means you had one episode a week. There was nothing like binge watching a series. You had to wait a whole week. Uh, for the next episode, if you're younger than 22, you'll never understand how that felt. Um, 
I say you're missing out because that's suspense. And then what normally TV shows would do, they'd give you this little uh, stay tuned for scenes for our next episode. Then they'll like give you 25 seconds and you're like, this is driving me crazy. I remember when Prison Break came out, it was the same. It's like, you lived in suspense this whole week. Like, what's going to happen? Is Michael Schofield going to break out or not? Um, Survivor, the same thing. Who's next? And I think still to today, I would love to do Survivor. I would just love to play it. Um, although... I don't think I have the best chances of, of winning. Um, my wife, though, I think she, she's, she'll do incredible. But anyway, um, why I love Survivor is because I'm fascinated by the challenges, these physical challenges. First of all, the creativity that the producers had to put in to come up with these things. I'm thinking they're in remote Fiji or in the, on an island in the Philippines, and then they have these structures built and I'm thinking, man, this must have taken so much effort and so much creativity to actually put some of these things in place. Um, and, what I really, and what I really enjoy of those physical challenges is the endurance challenges, you know, where you really have to bait fuss. Um, one of my favorite ones, there was an episode once where they put like poles in the middle of the ocean. I don't know how they did that, but they did that. And each contestant, you had to stand on a pole, I think this, this, this wide, with, you could only balance with one foot. And that's that. And then the person who stands the longest, you win immunity, which means you can't be voted out that week. But then as it goes, so now the ocean starts turning and the tide starts rising. So now the ocean and the swell and waves are getting more intense. But then what does the presenter do? At every hour, he says, all right, if you get off now, I give you a peanut butter sandwich. And then you can see these contestants. Now, they haven't eaten for 27 days properly. They've had rice and coconut. And then the next hour, whoever gets off now and kind of concedes his opportunity in winning immunity so that you can stay longer, he has a rack of ribs. And then you see the, the next just jumping off. Um, I remember there were two people left, and there was like a bowl. I was joking about the peanut butter brookie, but it was literally it was a bowl of peanut butter with maple syrup, and this girl just jumped for it. I'm like thinking, a million dollars for peanut butter. That doesn't make sense. You just, anyway... I love these endurance challenges. What I'm always surprised about, though, is when you see how people struggle with these challenges. Because it's like they knew. You entered Survivor. You knew there's going to be physical things. You knew there's preparation needed for you to do certain things. What do you mean you can't swim? <laughs> I mean, surely the moment you said you're going to do Survivor, you had six months to learn to swim. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. You knew it's coming. You've seen these. I think America, they're already at season 44. That's how long it's been. In South, in South Africa, we've had 10 seasons. You know what's coming. Why aren't you prepared? Or why are you surprised when there's a swimming challenge? And it's kind of like that with life as well, right? We know hard times are coming. We know challenges are coming. We know we will face times of suffering and affliction and all these things. But yes, sometimes we're still surprised it happens. We know it's coming. We know that it's coming. See, Jesus himself says that you will face moments like this. In our evening service, we doing a series on the book of Philippians, and I'm preaching tonight, and while I'm preparing for that, I, face, I, I, I look into this letter that Paul's writing, and he's writing about suffering. He's writing about afflictions. He's writing about hardships. In, in the first book of Thessalonians, Paul's writing about suffering, hardships, and affliction. 
So in Philippians we have suffering. In In the first book of Thessalonians, there's suffering. Jesus himself said, you will be hated because they hated me first. But yet sometimes we are so surprised when we face moments like this. If you're a Jesus follower, suffering is guaranteed and persecution is promised. Why does it have to be like that way as well? Because of the word of God. Because of Jesus. Because of truth. Because of his existence. And because there's an enemy and a scheme that doesn't like that. That is why. Because Jesus exists, there will always be pressure and persecution for those who do not want him or accept him. In the early years of Christianity, the men and women who chose to become Christians chose to face a life of trouble. And I still believe that is applicable for us today. If you choose to be a Christian, you do not choose the most comfortable, easy, smooth riding road. You choose a life of trouble. And today, that's what I really want to try and answer. It's not necessarily why, and because we always ask that question, why is this, why me? But I want to just change that a bit and actually answer the what. Because whether we got the answer to our whys or not, it's coming. We will face times of affliction and hard hardships. So to pause the why conversation and pick up what do we do with this? What is the purpose on this? And that's where we're going to jump into 1 Thessalonians 3 this morning. Let's read this together. Is it on the screen? Anything in bold you can read with me. Just gets the attention flowing. All right. Let no one be moved by these afflictions, for you yourself know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I seemed to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you, and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you, And has brought us this good news of your faith and love. And reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. Beautiful piece that Paul is writing now. Hink gave incredible overview and historical platform for this letter so if you missed the first week can listen to what Hink just shared with us I'm going to quickly just touch on it so this is a church that was planted in three weeks so Paul um, was there for three weeks he planted a church three weeks later he needed to go because of persecution he thought it was better that he actually leaves these people in Thessalonica so this is a young church young believers and what I love about this is um Paul is still, clearly we see him writing this letter, and we see that he sends Timothy. So Paul hasn't gotten back there yet. A team without its leader can sometimes cause for a lot of anxiety. But these young Christians did something marvelous. Their faith stood. Paul was comforted. And let's see how they did this. Verse 3, I'm just going to read it again. It says, let no one be moved by these afflictions, for you yourself know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass and just as you know. 
So Paul is saying, affliction is coming, hardship is coming. He said this before the time. How do you like that right off the bat? First three weeks of Connect Group. This kind of challenges the way I think of the way I disciple people. Like when do I introduce, listen, there's going to be times where you're going to have to suffer. There's going to be pressure for you. Your faith will be tested. Do we leave that for after Victory Weekend? Do we leave that after the first mission? Paul's like right from the bat. Here we see it. I told you beforehand. Before you already said you want to be part of this, I told you hardships are coming. Right off the bat. And it didn't put them off. Could it be because what he was teaching was so profound and so valuable that it was worth going through it? See, the word affliction in Greek means philippus. Right. Philippus. All right. And that means to crush, press together, squash, hem in, compress, or squeeze. So what Paul was saying is there will be moments of crushing, pressing together, squashing, compressing, and squeezing you. It's like a weight being pressed down. So in, before modern civilization, what happened in England was if you didn't plead guilty and were found guilty, what they would do is they would catch you and they'd put you on a platform and then they would lower a very large stone on top of your chest. And this is, what they would, this is literally called flippers, where the pressure of something heavy weighing down on you would eventually cause your demise. That is the literal meaning of what this word means. You and I will face moments where we will face pressure being placed on our chest, being placed on our finances, on our culture, on our understanding, on our theology, on our identity with the intention to crush and squeeze the life out of you. The way you do business, you will face flippers. Where are you going to conform to how the world does business? How... Best one to the top as quick as possible? Or are you taking your Christian values, biblical standards into the boardroom? Your sexuality. We're facing a time in, this, in the world where the idea of sexuality is being slippers. There's pressure coming and we're feeling it. Something that's just happened is the Roe versus Wade. That we see in America what happened, the overturn of the legalism of abortion. Flippers. There's pressure now. Now on that, I just have to say this. Can we be careful when we speak or make decisions on sensitive topics? Don't let you reading someone posting something on social media become your understanding and theology of a matter. If you really want to speak into this, do research. But also understand and know the truth according to God. It's moments, I guess, where we really have to know what Scripture teaches us. We really have to know what the heart of God is behind us. Because without that, you and I cannot really form an opinion. So just be careful. Just because someone posted it on Facebook or on Twitter doesn't mean it's true. And be careful that that doesn't become your understanding as well. So... Flippus refers to not just mild discomfort, means of great difficulty. And this is something that Paul told this young church, it is coming, you will face it, and look, it has happened. And what, what the Thessalonians were facing, they were facing this from their own countrymen. 
They were being persecuted and pressured and weighed down by their own kind. See, friends, Christianity will sometimes even make you uncomfortable and unpopular in your own culture. Are we okay with that? I could just not be rejected by my friends. I can just not be rejected by my family. This is what these people were facing. The Greeks weren't liking what was happening to their fellow Greeks. They were giving up a lot of, of their understanding and beliefs to accept this Jesus message. Now, if you're wondering what good could possibly come from this, from moments of affliction, what could possibly be the purpose behind these moments? Moments like this refine our character and bring maturity. The Arabs have a proverb that says, sunshine all day brings desert. Sunshine all day brings desert. One of the most challenging scriptures in the whole Bible to me, and this is something that I've had to wrestle with in the last 12 months a lot, is James 2, James chapter 1, verse 2 to 3. It says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And, then, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The word flippus means, or affliction means, the pressure that they would apply in the process of making wine. It's the, pressures, the pressure that they would push down on grapes. It's that weighing down. What comes out of you when pressure comes lying on top of you? Sweet or bitter wine? Life or death? See, moments like this that we face isn't supposed to make you better. It's supposed to make you better. It's supposed to build our characters, mature us. And bring us to a place of completion that we lack nothing. What would a community of believers be if we lack nothing? There was an archbishop in the, 19, in the 1700s uh, called Thomas Secker. He said, afflictions are not consuming but refining fire to the godly. How beautiful is that? Whatever you're facing isn't permanent. Whatever you're facing will not last forever. The purpose for it is there to refine and not to consume you. Affliction, if it turns us to the Lord, can actually be the very best thing for us that we need. See, moments of affliction make us usable towards God. A.W. Towser says the following. He said, before God can use a person greatly, he must allow that person to be hurt deeply. This isn't because God is mean, but because he knows we, can, we cannot comfort others unless we've been comforted ourselves. That is so challenging. Moments of affliction are there to train us to help others. I will never look at someone the same that has lost a parent than I did before I lost my dad. I will never look at someone whose child is in the hospital than before my daughter was eight weeks in ICU. Just know what it feels like. And I know what it feels like to be comforted from God. You might wrestle with the why of affliction, and I think that's okay. 
I think we should. I think it's a place where we can go, Lord, why is this happening? I think we should take that to God and wrestle through this and, and find our way through this, navigate your way through this. I think that's fine. But don't get stuck at that. Don't miss the what of the moment. What can come from this moment of suffering? What can God do with me in this moment? We have to sometimes put down the why and pick up the what. I remember when my dad passed away last year, almost around this time. And to be honest, I think I'm still wrestling with a few things. Still wrestling a bit with a why. But verse 5, which I'm jumping into now, unpacks why we can't miss the what. Because just like Survivor, when these people are doing an endurance race, and every hour they're doing it, they're making it, and the, and the host comes and says, here you go, here's some ice cream, you can get off now. Just like that, there's an enemy out there that wants to tempt you out of your affliction so that it goes to sin and not to glory. Verse 5 says, For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. It is important that we look at what can come from this because there's a tempter that will do whatever he can to destroy what God wants to do in that moment in your life. Paul was so afraid that this young church who had shown so much promise would be scattered and defaithed through this affliction, not primarily only through that, that the tempter will come and tempt. See, Paul paints this picture of Satan on a persistent mission to eagerly want to destroy the faith that's happening or, or that's growing in Thessalonica. There's still that same Satan that is persistent and hungry to destroy the faith that's building up in Trani today. It's funny, I, the last few months I've spoken to a lot of people where whether it's been a, a connect group or whether it's been a service and they said, you know what, I almost didn't come today. And I'm so glad I did because God had an appointment with me. What do you think happens in that time? Do you think we just get lazy within three hours? The devil will take advantage of your vulnerability. He knows about your history and he knows where he can stick it to you. See, temptation is an awful thing, especially when you throw the power of sin in it as well. Because then we start lying, lying to ourselves and actually start convincing ourselves that it's actually a good thing that I'm doing this. See, Satan will move into your family and create family problems. Satan hates harmonious Christian homes. He hates a happy Christian home. He hates a unified Christian home. So all of a sudden, affliction happens. Hard times come, and now there's misunderstanding. Now there's all of a sudden thoughtlessness. Where is this coming from? All of a sudden, there's unkindness in your marriage. See, once... In those moments, you're facing hardship. A family member has died. Business is struggling. COVID is taking over. And it just comes and tempts. Drops seeds of lies. He wants couples to take each other for granted. He wants you not to prioritize time with your children. He wants you to pursue hobbies instead of your family. 
says, no, you need your time off. You go and cycle. You go on that fourth hunting trip. It's been a hard year. There's nothing wrong with hunting. <laughs> see, Satan delights to see physical, spiritual, and emotional bonds broken between people. And that was Paul's concern. How are these people, if, we, if I arrive there again, if Timothy arrives, how are they going to treat him? Or is that connection just wiped out because of what Satan wanted to do? Friends, our faith may be difficult sometimes, but it's never worth abandoning. Our faith may be difficult sometimes, but it's never, ever worth abandoning. See, trials can either lead us to trust or to temptation. Trials can either lead us to trust or to temptation. Where have your trials led you? Where is your current trial leading you? God wants to use your trial to grow you and for his glory. Satan wants to use your trial to tempt you, deceive you so that he can destroy you. Don't give in to sin in moments of hardship. What do we do? We get so stuck into the presence of God. We press in. If that's the only thing you can do when you feel like you are being pressured and weighed down in this world, you run to Jesus, you spend time with him, you get into your word, you come around a community of believers and says, I know you're going through a bad time. I'm gonna bug you and not leave you until this bad time passes because not on my watch will attempt to slip them and destroy what God wants to do in your life. When you face disappointment or layoff at work, where has that led you? To your cell phone or to your computer? Or to fellowship with God and His community? When you face death of a loved one, where does that lead you? To food? To buffets? Or the Bible. We have to ask ourselves, where does this tri trial that I'm going through leading? I want to plead with you in moments of affliction, and the only way I really believe we can do this is if you and I are filled with the Holy Spirit and, and we're in a community of believers, but don't give up. Don't give up when things get tough. Don't give up when things get hard. Don't give in to sin or to your natural desire. Have point men on the corners or watch men and say, watch me. If you see I'm picking up weight, it's because I'm running to food as an answer, not Jesus. Verse 6. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you, for this reason's brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through our faith, through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. What I love about this, we see the joy and the comfort in, in Paul and in Timothy. God blesses each one of us with a Paul and a Timothy. Do you know how you inspire your Paul and your Timothy? By being faithful. By not giving in. A lot of times we feel there are leaders over us. And how, I mean, I can't inspire this person. I mean, look, they're just awesome and they 
they must be some, some of the first people who will enter the pearly gates. I mean, the rest of us will probably wait, and these leaders, they all go. How do I inspire? How do I impart? You be faithful. You stand against the fiction. You stand against the temptations of God. They were comforted, and, and there was just so much joy pouring. I mean, here we can see Paul is incredibly thankful towards God and incredibly thankful towards his people because his work is not in vain. That's how you and I can inspire our leaders and add into their lives. So who's your Paul and your Timothy? And are you inspiring them? Verse 8. For we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. What should you and I do in times of affliction? What do we do? See, stand fast in the Lord means to preserve to be consistent, to be constant, to be steadfast, and to continue. It's having a, and I think, friends, I don't believe as a church we should just roll over and play dead. I believe that God's put a fighting spirit into our souls to rise up when things get tough. Some of you maybe just have to hear the word fight this morning. Fight. Stand. Don't move. Be constant. And if you've ever wondered, ways, how do I help someone that's going through affliction? This is how you help them. You encourage them to stand. You pray for them to stand. You pray that the tempter doesn't find a loophole or an opening into their lives. I'm thankful that we bless people going through tough times on a physical and a, and a financial way. But this is how we can carry them. Are you standing fast? So when you hook them in the arms and say, come, we're going to continue going forward, even if it's just one step at a time. Come with me to church. Let's stay committed to connect. Let's read our Bibles. Let's, why don't we read this together? This is how we help people. Encourage them to stand fast and pray that this happens. How do we stand fast? Number one, we remain in Jesus. Our reliance and absolute dependence on him. The last 12 months I've had to learn to do this not just once every now and then, but on a weekly basis. Because sometimes the why wants to choke even your faith out of you. But to be at a place where you can rely on him, Jesus, I, that's the only thing I can do and have left is to rely on you. Remain in Jesus. Number two, be filled with his spirit. In this time, ask the Holy Spirit to continually fill you. Back in chapter one, in the same book that we're doing, um, as the church were going through fictions, they, it was notable that they still had joy in the Holy Spirit. That they were continually filled with his presence. Number three, and this is sometimes the most difficult one, is to surrender your why. To surrender your why. Why is this happening? Lord, I don't know, but I'm surrendering this to you. Because I know who you are. How do I stand fast? I don't have unconfessed sin in my life. Where the tempters maybe gain ground in your life, are we throwing our lives open and saying, here I am in the light? Not to give any root for something to grow bigger and ultimately consume you. See, in moments of affliction, people might treat you a bit more lovingly and, and a bit more carefully. And it's very easy in those moments to hide certain things a bit better. 
The problem is if you hide it for a year, do you know what monster you've created? Not to allow yourselves to have unconfessed sin in moments like that. And then number five, how do I stand fast? I stand fast knowing that this is not the final chapter, that this will not last because Jesus is coming again. In light of his second coming, we can stand fast because today what you're facing is not the final chapter. He is victorious. You and I can stand fast because there's an empty grave. Can we start relying more on the empty grave and instead of the podcasts and the self-help books we listen to? Because it is empty and because he is coming in, you and I are empowered and encouraged to stand fast. To stand fast in affliction. When your culture, when your family, when your people are persecuting you and pressurizing you, why are you becoming this sold-out Christian? Why are you choosing born-again principles above bri-again principles? Why are you abandoning your family tradition and culture? Why are you turning your back on the way we've always done it? Because Jesus is Lord. Because Jesus is Lord. And I can stand firm in that realization. That's how we stand firm. Afflictions are promised and guaranteed. But so is the power and the solution to face and overcome it every time. His name is Jesus. And he will never forsake you. He will never leave you. He will always and always be with us. Janine, can I ask that you just join me on stage? Afflictions are promised. Persecution is guaranteed. But so is the solution and the power that you and I need to face it and overcome. Because He has overcome. Greater is He that is in us than is He that is in the world. Lord, we thank you that we can, we can breathe fresh air this morning knowing that what we are facing is not the final chapter. It will not endure. It will not be forever because you are a living God. You have defeated death and you are coming again. You have called us to stand fast, Lord, and I pray. And maybe if you're just going, you're facing a season of affliction or hardship or suffering, I just want to pray for you specifically to stand fast. So this you just raise your hand just like to pray with you awesome awesome that's great Jesus I thank you that you are the lamb the sacrificial lamb that we need to gain access and relationship with the father but thank you that you are the lion of Judah that roars and defeats evil defeats death that is our foundation to withstand anything we face and therefore I pray may the lion roar this morning in our households, in our businesses, on our campuses, in our classrooms, in our bedrooms. I pray for everyone's hands are risen today, Lord, that you will meet them and encourage them, Lord. That you will build them, Lord. That you will sustain them, Lord. That you'll encourage them to look at what you are doing, not why, what, not what, not, not the why, but the what. Saying, Jesus, thank you that even though this is tough, I know you are maturing me and refining me in this season. Therefore, I can release the why and trust you.
I pray for supernatural moments in the weeks that lie ahead of breakthrough, of triumph, but of standing and fighting. Deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the temptations. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.